Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Coming up on this morning's show, we have an interview with Rutherford County School Board member Claire Maxwell. We'll learn about school rezoning and more. Also this morning, we're going to learn about an upcoming car and motorcycle show that takes place later this month. That car and motorcycle show will be at the Smyrna Ready Mix headquarter office directly off of I-840. We'll tell you about that and also a lot more things too. So all of that comes your way, plus an update on the Murfreesboro impact fees and also the proposed idea of having impact fees or development fees in Rutherford County. So make sure you stay with us. A lot of news and information this morning, starting in just a minute. It is 817. Hi, this is Dan at Music World and Drummer's Den. You've bought your new guitar, your keyboard, or your drums. You don't know how to play it. Well, we have lessons on all stringed instruments, all keyboards, and one of the best drum instructors in the area. We are set up for all types of lessons. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church Street. If you need music gear, Music World and Drummer's Den is where you need to be. South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. This morning we're joined by Claire Maxwell with the Rutherford County Schools, and you're on the Rutherford County School Board. You serve Zone 5. Yes, I do. What area, first of all, does that cover? Oh, I won't name every neighborhood, Al, but I could. It basically is a little part of 231 South. I still call it that. I don't call it Church Street. All the way to Savannah Ridge, Warrior Drive. Then I have Broad Street to Bellwood area. And then I have South Rutherford and all the way up past Greenland Drive a little bit. And there's a couple of neighborhoods on the left-hand side that I have. And then on Main Street, I have the side that's across the street from Central Magnet. And when you look at areas like South Church Street as an example, there is so much new growth out there. Oh, there is. There is. It's growing exponentially. And uh, that's why, uh, I don't know if you're watching our work session, we had a presentation from a group called RSP that we have gotten with, and they have gone a huge full analysis on zoning. That is our problem is we have seats over here, but everybody's over here. And the problem is building fast enough to accommodate the overcrowding. So we are going to painstakingly and as fairly, fairly as possible, rezone the entire county, every elementary school, every middle school, every high school. But we are going to do this fairly. And uh, we're not picking on any zone. I kind of jokingly call it shared sacrifice. Just a few years ago, I think about three years ago, we saw some rezoning changes with uh, Rockville High School and Riverdale High School. Yes, we had to do that because of the overcrowding at Rockville. Here is a school that's barely two years old, and we've got 10 portables. So we are trying to, the, someone made the case on the board that we never want to go back to portables. I would love to say that we will never, ever see portables again. 
I just don't see that. We're not, we don't have the money to build to get us out of this situation all the time. So we are going to be at times have to use portables, but this will help band-aid the situation till we can get some more schools built. We haven't built a school since I've been on the board. And we finally got the go-ahead through the county commission. Thank, thank these guys. They've really did, did a solid for us. But uh, Riverdale, Oakland, and Smyrna are going to get some expanded additions and renovations. All of our schools, some of our newer high schools, can handle about 2,500 kids. But the older schools weren't built for 2,500 kids. Now they will be. I'm excited about that, but that took two years. <laughs> and those are just additions. Again with us today, Claire Maxwell from the Rutherford County School Board. And we recently had on the air, the school director on the air, yes. talking about land that they now have for a new school yes. in the Blackman area. Yes, it's going to absolutely not only alleviate the Blackman Elementary, but Stewart's Creek Elementary. And if you have any parents out there, we've heard an earful from them for the last year and a half. Uh, that area is where everybody, it's been trendy, apparently. That's like the hot spot that everybody wants to go to. So, yes. We have bought the John Beatty property, and uh, that is going to be an elementary school and possibly a middle school or possibly a 6 through 12 school as well. So we've got some possibilities there, but that elementary school, we've got to get it up and running, hopefully in the next year or two. School rezoning, definitely one of the big issues that everybody's looking at right now. And I guess this decision, once you guys reach it on how the schools will be rezoned, it will include the new school that's going to be on the Beatty property. Absolutely. It's, it's taking that into account. And it's also taking into account that the fact that those three schools I just mentioned that are getting the additions and renovations can handle more kids. We're looking at capacity. We're looking at demographics. We're looking at boundaries. We're looking at a multitude of things. This is not going to be easy, and this is going to be over six months. This is not something where we're going to get together a couple of Saturdays and just make this decision. But this group is really, really good at what they do. They've done this for Clarksville. They've done this for other parts, out of state, in state. So I have full faith in that they know what they're doing, and they can help us get this done right. Another interesting thing that came up in recent months was Jack. Fest because as many people know, Jazz Fest, Main Street, they decided to no longer hold it on the downtown square. Which crushed my soul. We heard from several band directors and uh, a couple of the guys on the board said we've got to do what we can to salvage this. And there were multiple people that came out to help us. Carpe Autista out of Smyrna, Mr. Ron Alley, awesome. Uh, Scott McKinney, uh, band director at Oakland Middle. He had done multiple jazz fests, so he knew what needed to happen. And Susan Gully with the chamber. I mean, we all came together and then the school system Dr. Halford, she came up from the fine arts director. She came to help us as well. And we were able to, in a short amount of time, put this thing together. Now, was it the way it was on the square? No, we didn't have food trucks, but it managed to achieve the goal that we wanted, which those kids, those students got to come and display their talent. I feel like it was a raging success. The best thing that happened was it didn't rain. It always <laughs> rains on Jazz Fest and it didn't rain. So that was a labor of love. We just got together the other night just to kind of say, who's on board for next year? And every hand went up. So we'll have a year to plan to make it bigger and better for next year. And it will be at the fountains again. 
And again, it was held at the Fountains this year on Medical Center Parkway. It's going to be held again at the Fountains. Yes, I thank you to Scott Gravy. He absolutely stepped up, allowed us to use his property. It's the perfect place to have it. I don't know if long term it will be there. Uh, there are some potential places that I think we want to move to because we it will something that's going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And he's got some building of his own that he's going to do on the property. So we may be squeezed out, but for right now and for the next year, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gravy, for allowing us to have our event on your property. Was it members of the school board that decided, you know, hey, this Jazz Fest event must go on. we got to figure out a way to keep it going so that our yeah. students can play there. Yes, I have to say, Tammy Sharp kind of rallied us all together. And she knew the people at Carpe Tista because we're not a 5013C, but Carpe Tista is. So that's the way we were able to do this. And we brought in enough people, Tom Christie, Gloria Christie, Bill Shacklett's sister. They've done Uncle Dave making days. So they they came in and they helped and they emceed and Mr. Murfreesboro stepped up and he emceed and it was just a labor of love for the whole community. It really was. In addition to that, you've got a special needs camp that you are planning right now yes. and when does it start? It starts June 12th and it's going to be held at Blackman High School and the first four days will be at Blackman High School. The last day it's going to be at Discovery Center. That's kind of our party day, our last day our blowout and uh, it's for high school age 14 to 22 special needs kids and I started dropping off forms probably a month and a half ago and I have gotten 12 I have room for about 10 more if anybody wants to get in touch with me I don't mind could I leave my number yeah yeah it's 615-351-2262 you can also look up on the school's website and my email is on there as well and I'll be happy to get you an application you just need to be able to have your own, provide your own transportation. There's no bus to take you, and it's from 8.30 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Is this special needs camp a camp that you put together and started? Yes. yes. I started it when I saw a lack, when I was working at Riverdale as an EA in special ed, and there were so many of my kids that didn't have any plans for the summer. And mom and dad, either through economics or just the circumstances, they didn't know what was out there, and what was out there was way out of their reach. I have a nephew who's special needs, and he got he gets to go to a special kids camp, but it's quite expensive. The same children kind of enroll every year. So I thought, we could do better than this. And so I knew some people at Discovery Center, and I went and spoke with Miss McDougal, and I said, what about a camp for high school age special needs kids? Because they're kind of left out. Everybody sees this big kid, but they still want to go have fun. And so um, she said, no, you're right. So we sat down and we planned it and we had 10 kids the first year. The next year we had 17. And then last year we had almost 30. We had two camps at two different locations. In June, we had one in Laverne. And in July, we had one for a week at Oakland High School. I, Because I'm on the board, the, the director has allowed me to have my camp at, their, at the high schools where there's more room and the kids can go outside and, and, and do uh, a lot more activities. So it's just a, a fun day. Uh, Discovery Center comes in the mornings and they do some of their uh, uh, STEM. It's learning and it's education, but they're having so much fun they don't realize that they're learning. And then in the afternoon, it's just pure fun. It's We have uh, the police come and, and they'll bring their uh, tracker dog, Fred and Tico. And then another day we had a hook and ladder truck come and and then we've had a paramedic come with his ambulance and show them how that works. And then we always have Kona ice. Mr. Rodriguez is really sweet and he brings out Kona ice. So it's just a lot of fun. And the feedback has been
been positive. And as long as we keep having positive feedback, I'm going to keep doing it because everyone that does it is all volunteer except for the curriculum and the two educators that come from Discovery Center. Everybody else just has a labor of love. And I've had former peer tutors that worked in our high school system come and work for us. I've had some SPED teachers that are off for the summer and they could be doing anything, but they want to do my camp. Again, Claire Maxwell with us with the Rutherford County School Board and that special needs camp for high school aged kids. When again does it start and uh, what's the phone number if they want to sign up for it? It starts June 12th through the 16th at Blackman High School. You can call me, Claire Maxwell, at 615-351-2262. Going back to the schools as a whole, over the last few years we've seen some problems rise such as kids vaping at school, kids using vapes that contain THC and things like that. And most recently at Christiana Middle School, there was a case where one child brought a candy bar to school that apparently contained some type of mushrooms Mushrooms in it. Mushrooms and yeah. So we're seeing some issues like that. At younger ages even. Yeah. Um, It was there before COVID. COVID kind of exposed it more and we're still kind of going through it. I think our youth do not really know how to cope with some of the feelings that they have and they've been reaching out to things that are very harmful. I know from experience, I lost a child to an overdose and uh, he didn't have any idea that this would kill him and uh, he had his whole life ahead of him. He was going to go play football at Mississippi State. So this is an area that I would like to concentrate on for the next four years. I'm up for re-election 2024 and uh, We've got to do better when it comes. That's why mental health is very important. And COVID, like I said, COVID exposed a lot of cracks in the system. And we're trying to fix that. But it just, it really bothers me when students, they don't have the knowledge, turn to these substances that are so bad for them and can be. Sadly, especially with fentanyl out there, one time can be, can be the last time. I know the Annie E. Casey report recently came out, and with that report was new information about how the Rutherford County Schools would be allowed or given more funding to help with mental health issues here in Rutherford County. What is the biggest problem that we're seeing right now when it comes to mental health and drug involvement? When you realize that you've got a problem, it's getting into someone in a timely manner, not waiting six months, three months, and getting the whole family involved. Because if you have a child who has got some severe issues and perhaps some drug addiction, it's not just his issue, it's the whole family's issue. And so we have contracted with a company called Carol, and they have been really great. They have really identified, and I asked him point blank, I said, what is the time period from somebody because we've had a couple of mental health forums, and the very first one we had, people were crying because they said, my daughter's cutting. I said, but when I call, they tell me they can see us in four months. You know, in four months, she could be not with us anymore. So that's, I would say that's the biggest issue, is not only just identifying there's a problem, but getting them the help that they need in a timely manner. And that's tough to do sometimes. Yeah, it is. It really is, because we don't have enough care providers. We just don't. But this agency is really helping cut down the time that it would take independently because they can cut through all the red tape of they know where to go and exactly what your child needs and so it's just glad that we have this when you look at kids of all ages but more specifically high school age kids they're very impressionable Mm -hmm. and 
in some cases, bullying sometimes plays a role in their decision making. And when one kid says one thing to another kid, it may be negative. You don't know what that one thing is that's going to push exactly. that other child over the what, edge. What you think is just few harmless words can be devastating to someone. It may not appear to be bullying even to you, but it is to them. And when it's not taken seriously and it's not addressed, then they look inward and then that's when the dark thoughts come. If a child does like going to school, but feels like they're in an environment that's not good, we have options now. We have our virtual school. We graduated 52 students from the virtual school and they were thriving. And they loved it. And a lot of those kids had been driven to the virtual school because they had felt bullied where they were. And it either wasn't addressed adequately in their minds. We never take it lightly. We always, at every school, I do believe every principal, every teacher wants to get to the root of the problem. But sometimes it's really, really hard. Sometimes it's subtle. It's nice to have options for those families. And this virtual school, and I wasn't sure we needed a virtual school because I thought virtual school was like distance learning. And I, coming from a SPED background, distance learning to me was very, very difficult. Very few kids succeeded when we went online. But these students thrive in that environment and they get together on Fridays, they do come in. So they're not constantly online, but it's a good program and they, they have their own teachers, they have their own principal, they have their own school. They're the trailblazers. I think that's cool because they really are blazing a trail. I'm glad we have that. I wish we'd had it maybe even 10 years ago. Again, Claire Maxwell with us from the Rutherford County School Board. And when you look at students who may be going through something on the outside, a teacher may not notice it no. right away. And it could be some of the more popular students who yeah. have their grades together. They seem to have everything together, but yet there is something missing. You can miss all the signs. My son was probably the most popular kid in his class. Uh he absolutely was the life of the party. I don't think he was wanting to hurt himself. I think he just thought he was going to chill and uh, maybe not turn off his brain. I, that's, what, that's what I hear a lot. I hear, I just want to turn off my thoughts. And uh, But there are better ways to do that. And I wish he'd come to us because... We had not a clue, and so we had to do a lot of introspection. I know I did, and uh, but there are it's it's hard to tell. Kids can mask their feelings very very well. So maybe it takes a friend. Maybe it takes somebody to say, "Hey, what's going on? Something's off." But all you can do is just try to be there when they do come to you as well. Have you had a lot of parents come to you and just? Yes, uh, I had a, kid, a parent that came to me the very first. Um, uh, forum that we had for mental health I think it was in 2021 in April and she heard me tell my story and she heard me talk about my son Mitchell and uh, she brought me a card and I carry it to this day it's in my wallet she goes well you carry that this is my boy he committed suicide now and uh, now our children were different my son did not commit suicide but they're both gone and they were both the same age they both were 18 and she loved her boy just like I love my boy. And I told her, yes, I said, I promise you, I will carry this with me every day because your boy was important and he mattered and he was here. So yeah, it, it, it reminds me 
every time I see it in my wallet, I say a prayer for that mom. And I hope she's okay. I know a lot of times parents are scared to go to the school counselor to say, hey, I need some help. They're worried about other kids finding out. They're worried about their child finding out that mom or dad went to the school to talk to somebody like the counselor to say, I need help. But in reality, they shouldn't be. No. And and I will tell you, I think that's getting a little bit better. I think COVID was so bad that more and more parents and children are reaching out, are willing to tell the counselor at school, hey, I'm really struggling with something. And a teacher is able to pick up on things and say, hey, here's a card. Here is, you know, because we can't provide the mental health service, but we can be the stepping stone. We can give, be the middleman. Here is some help. You call these people and they can help you. That, that's invaluable. But yeah, it is, it is tragic what's going on. And it, fortunately, it's not getting any better. I thought it would, but it's not. Again, Claire Maxwell with us with the Rutherford County School Board. And uh, as we close this morning, is there anything you can think of that would help somebody else? If you're feeling down, you're feeling sad, you can't turn off the negative thoughts, please reach out to somebody. No matter who it is, a friend, your family, crisis line, but reach out to somebody. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. We're at Adams Place talking with Lee Davenport. So I plan to come to Adams Place. I think they're great. Claire's wonderful. Marie's great. They've all been good to me. If a friend asks you, where's the best place to live, what would you tell them? Adams Place. This is the best. Hi, this is Terry Deal at Adams Place. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. Right now that time, 8.37. On the first half of the program, we were joined by Rutherford County School Board member Claire Maxwell, who covered a number of topics, including rezoning Rutherford County schools. Again, the time, 8.38, and coming your way right now, we are head, headed to the Commissioner Corner with Rutherford County Commissioner Craig Harris. That comes your way next on WGNS. Hi, this is Peter Demas. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant. So many people buy so many different things. You know, I go out to eat and I like eating steak where my wife will end up getting our salmon. Our salmon is cut fresh, so she loves our salmon. It's one of those places that you can go. You can get pastas or chicken. You know, the kids love it. Get what you want at Demas's Restaurant and not be limited just to one or two items. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant. 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. It's now time for the Commissioner Corner with County Commissioner Craig Harris. When you turn on the TV or listen to talk radio, you constantly hear about generations and their politics. Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, or Baby Boomers. We hear these stories, but we don't know much about them or their politics. What year was I born and what generation am I in? Most people don't know. But generational differences has long been a factor in U.S. politics. These divisions are now as wide as they have been in decades with the potential to shape politics well into the future. 
From immigration and race to foreign policy and the scope of the government, two younger generations, millennial and Gen Xers, stand apart from baby boomers. And on many issues, millennials are increasingly liberal. For us access to different generations and their influence on politics, we need to know what the different generations are and the characteristics. I will start with baby boomers. Baby boomers are a generation of people born between 1946 and 1965. They value relationships and spending time with family and friends. They are goal-centric, self-assured, and a strong belief in individualism. The reason they are called baby boomers is because of a notable boom in the number of births starting with 3.4 million babies in 1946 and averaging 4 million births a year until 1964. Around 76 million people were born, which was one-fourth of the population in the U.S. Most baby boomers are reaching retirement and receiving Social Security. They mostly identify as conservative. Generation X, which is yours truly, were born between 1965 to 1980. They are 26% of the population. They grew up with personal computers and experienced shaky economical times such as the recession in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. They're typically described as resourceful, independent, and are the first generation with dual incomes, single households, and more children are divorced than when baby boomers were growing up. They were the first generation to grow up with cable TV. But on the whole, Generation X will likely be the first generation whose members would not be more financially well-off than their parents were. They are somewhat conservative. The generation called Millennials were born in the years 1981 to 1996 and are 28% of the population, arguably the most scrutinized of all generations. Millennials have been taken over the workplace in various ways and have all reached adulthood. One of the most notable characteristics is their immense racial diversity. Millennials are the first generations to harness the power of technology and its increasing efficiency. The millennial generation is marked by events such as 9-11 or the heightened scrutiny of down-to-the-wire 2000 presidential election, and they felt the sting of the Great Recession. Millennials remain the most Democrat and liberal of all the generations. Gen Z are born from 1997 to now and are 5% of the generation. Generation Z is sometimes labeled in with millennials, even though they're quite different in many respects. The most defining characteristic is the fact they have never known a world without technology that dominates today. At most, they were only babies before the inceptions of YouTube and social media such as Facebook or Twitter. Even many millennials had some experiences prior to the rise of personal computers, let alone smartphones and social media. Because they are so young, there is no clearly defining moment for them, although events such as mass shooting in schools may be one. Very few have graduated from high school, making it nearly impossible to come up with basic definition for them. The silent generation, which was born between 1928 to 1945 and are 11% of the population, they were the rebellious attitude of the 60s. They were around for the birth of rock and roll, and many voted in the 1952 presidential election of Dwight D. Eisenhower. They participated in civil rights demonstrations, and they witnessed the assassination of John F. Kennedy. They are predominantly conservative. Okay, you told us what generations there are and their characteristics, so now what? How do they vote? Which generation has the most political power? Well, according to researchers, baby boomers control 47% of political power, followed by Gen X at 29%, silent generation at 12.1%, 
millennials at 10%, and Gen Z at 1.6%. Baby boomers in the silent generation control the purse strings for nearly 80% of political spending. Gen X holds 46% of all local government positions, and while millennials don't have a foothold in politics, they soon will. Something that gets lost in this discussion, however, is why exactly we care about generations of political environment. It feels to me like the vast majority of discourse on the subject is merely there for analysts to toot their horns or tout theories. Pundits often get so carried away with the generational labels themselves that they somewhat lose their meaning. Look, we are all humans, and humans like to put things in boxes with neat labels. In the end, there is no real generations or no generational divides. They're just people. If there are any subjects that you want to discuss or want me to look at, please email me at cctinc at comcast.net. This is Craig Harris, and this is the Commissioner Corner. That was Commissioner Craig Harris. The views of Rutherford County Commissioner Craig Harris are just that, his views. They're not necessarily the views of this radio station, website, or our advertisers. Feel free to send your thoughts and ideas to Commissioner Harris by emailing him at cctinc at comcast.net. That's C-C-O-T-I-N-C at comcast.net. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank. 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is Pastor Nikki Ajapong, the lead pastor of Holy Hill Chapel in Murfreesboro. Here are sermons on WGNS every Sunday night at 7.30. Everyday life, never take it for granted. Visit Holy Hill Chapel, tn.org to hear our podcast. It's a blessing. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Today we're talking with Christy Welker about an upcoming event that is a car show and motorcycle show. It is a car and bike show, and the actual name of it is Darren's Heart in Motion, and all the proceeds from the event will be going towards our 501c3 nonprofit that we uh, established in my husband's memory. The name of it is called Darren Welker Servant Heart Fund. Darren Welker died in September of 2020 as a result of injuries received in a motorcycle accident that happened in North Carolina. Darren was born and raised in the Walter Hill community. He graduated from Oakland High School, which is also where I went to school. I was born and raised here as well. And through our church at Walter Hill Church of Christ, he was a deacon, and he served in areas of disaster relief, which he led many group efforts on, and also mission work through our church as well. He led trips and also at the school that our children attended, which was Middle Tennessee Christian School, for about... 15 years, he went on and organized every trip. He was just very servant-minded and people-minded, the biggest heart I I know. And we just didn't want to see any of that work end. We wanted it to continue. And a lot of people kept wanting to contribute to things that were close to Darren's heart, even after his accident and his passing. And so we just wanted to have a hand in that and to help facilitate as people were wanting to give. That's how we came up with this idea to create this nonprofit. 
Money raised from this upcoming car and bike show will go into the Servant Heart Fund, which was set up in memory of Darren Welker. So his main focus was Honduras with Ambassadors for Christ. Darren loved others, and he loved helping people, especially through mission work. Honduras is where at least twice a year Darren traveled. But through our church, we also went to Honduras, and then our family as a group went some other places like Uganda. Darren and I went to Russia and served locally in Alabama and Georgia through our church with mission work as well. For anybody listening who has never been on a mission trip, it is something that really brings people a lot closer. If their family goes together, for example, it brings them a lot closer together, but it brings those who go on these mission trips a lot closer to God in a lot of ways. Talk a little bit about that and mission trips with him. Only the very first one he ever went on did I not go? And my daughter went with him, and they came back. As you say, you sound like someone who speaks from having gone on mission trips before, I can tell. But they came back. They couldn't even put into words how it had touched their heart and affected them. And I knew right away that this was something I was going to have to go on so I could understand what in the world had just grabbed them, <laughs> literally. And I fully understood. And that next mission trip, we did go on as a family of four. We took also we took our younger daughter. And so from there on out, we pretty much went as a family. And Darren inspired so many people, even beyond just like our family, like he could inspire just groups of people and you're right once you ever go and serve like that and I think it's because you have to humble yourself and kind of deny your wants and desires and put others needs before you and you put yourself in a place where you have no choice because you stepped out of your world and into somebody else's world and it's just very very humbling and when you do that I just feel like God is able to show you it's really not about us it's about everybody else and it's about him and until you do that almost forced to do that do we not maybe fully understand or see the things that we can see at that point and it's not cheap to go on mission trips (laughs) and and bring your whole family either I, i think sometimes people get the wrong idea they don't understand the aspect of well you gotta pay to go on these mission trips That's very true. Our family also, we experienced that. Our church was always very supportive of us in in helping us raise our funds, but not far into it, we realized that we needed to do something more proactively. And so we started a, I call it a ministry, my husband and I, where we, um, we would hold paint classes where we would build plank boards and we would design scripture verses to be painted on those boards through a process of what we call stencil technique. And what we would do is we would promote this and we would go into churches. They would host us in church groups and we would go and provide all the materials and show up and individuals from that church would pay a donation to paint with us. And we would lead them through that class and they would paint their projects and we would raise money and we would use that money as a family to go on our mission trip. And it has been such a blessing, I'd say, for about seven years that we have done that. And after Darren's accident, and I kind of sought for the Lord, is, am I going to continue to do these things? Am I going to continue to do this mission work and raise our money? And he has shown me that, yeah, he wants me to continue doing that because I'm still going and hosting these paint classes. And the nonprofit I've started since Darren's accident is separate from the ministry that I run, painting classes, raising money for myself and my family on mission trips. Again, we're talking with Christy Welker, whose husband's memory 
Darren Walker lives on thanks to events like the upcoming car show that will be held in June. The money that is raised goes into the Darren Welker Servant Heart Fund. The nonprofit functions where the money that is brought in, one aspect of it, mission work. People can apply for scholarship funds to help provide for them to raise money for them to go on their mission trips. Christy says that she has a goal of someday paying for other families to go on mission trips. So the dream is that over time, we expand to where we, as a fund, can actually sponsor a mission trip for people to go on as a group. Hopefully we'll grow to that. But yes, the upcoming car show and bike show is going to be held June the 24th, which is the third Saturday in June, at the Smyrna Ready Mix headquarters, which is right off of 840 on Jefferson Pike. Some people may think that's Smyrna, but it actually has a Murfreesboro address. And it starts at 8 o'clock, and awards will be given at 1 o'clock that day. The upcoming car and motorcycle show will be held outside the headquarter office of Smyrna Ready Mix, directly off of I-840. We will be awarding top 40 awards. We will also be awarding um, a People's Choice and a Darren's Choice. And that would be in both categories of vehicles and then motorcycles. Money raised will go into the Servant Heart Fund, which was set up in memory of Darren Welker. All the proceeds from the event will be going towards our 501c3 nonprofit that we established in my husband's memory, and the name of it is Darren Welker Servant Heart Fund. The funds they raise go to pay for things like relief work in places such as Mississippi. We've gone to Mississippi, we've gone to Readable, and we went to Waverly after the flooding where we do cleanup efforts because of the relief work efforts that he was involved in. They also help cover the expense of local service projects for the elderly and for widows who live right here in Rutherford County. And then the third way we give money is in our community directly towards a service project for elderly and widows, for people that represents where he did construction work for people. I donated his tools and his trailer that he worked out of, and we use that as we go around and do service work for those individuals in our community directly. We've been talking with Christy Welker about the upcoming car and bike show that will be held outside the Smyrna Ready Mix headquarter office just off of I-840 near the interchange of 840 and Jefferson Pike. The upcoming car and bike show will be open to everybody, and it will be held on June 24th. To learn more about Christie's late husband, Darren Welker, and the Servant Heart Fund, just go to DarrenWelkerServantHeartFund.org. For WGNS News, I'm Scott Walker. Right now that time, 8.54. We'll update you on an upcoming job fair that will be held in front of the Murfreesboro City Hall. And that upcoming job fair will be on June the 9th. We'll give you more details about that in just a minute. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street, online at tireworld.us. We're talking with Alex Jones with the City of Murfreesboro and an upcoming job fair will be held on June the 9th 
Tell us more about that event. Yeah, so our job fair is become an annual event. It'll be held on the Civic Plaza right out front of City Hall where you see the fountains and the pretty greenery. We'll be right out there. We'll have close to 30 employers, all from different industries. So we have healthcare, fast food, even airlines like Southwest. You guys have done job fairs before on the Civic Plaza. They're usually pretty successful. I mean, you have a lot of people coming to these, but do folks need to be prepared to receive a job offer? Yeah, so I would say that some employers, probably like FedEx and some of their manufacturing facilities that are going to be attending our event, their plan is to do on-site interviews and potentially offer employment the same day. And again, the job fair is going to be June the 9th. It's outside the City Hall, and that is near the intersection of Vine and South Church Street. It will be on the Civic Plaza. Whenever you host a job fair, because Murfreesboro is a a very progressive city, I mean, we're growing by leaps and bounds literally every day. Do you have people coming in from other communities, other counties, looking for that perfect job? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that's that's what's pretty cool. Um, I think that we're fortunate to be able to host this event where we're at. We have people from Smyrna, Laverne, Manchester is a big one, at Menville. They come to these events because we have such a large variety of employers. If anybody listening wants to get involved in this career fair that the city is hosting, maybe have a representative there on site, how can they do that? They would just need to contact contact me. My name is Alex Jones. I can be reached at ajones at murfreesboro10.gov. If anybody has any questions as far as like the event itself, or if you're an employer wanting to set up because it's a free event. We're not, we are not charging anything for this event. We're just happy to be able to hold it for different employers. Definitely reach out to me and I'm happy to help in whatever capacity I can. Again, we're talking with Alex Jones with the city of Murfreesboro. Now, what is your capacity within the city? So I'm the HR manager for the city of Murfreesboro. My focus is on recruiting. I spend a lot of times at colleges and high schools speaking to students, trying to get them motivated, help give them some tips as they transition into the workforce. But I'm also in charge of employee engagement, and that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I feel like the city has just grown leaps and bounds in in that capacity over the last few years. And, you know, I just try to focus on building morale with our employees, but also with, you know, the city in general. So being able to hold this event that we're going to be holding on June 9th on the plaza, you know, like I said before, we're not, we're not charging for this event. We are just happy to be able to gather together with different employers. And the city will also be looking for future employees as well. Yes. We will have multiple different departments represented that day. So we'll have our water department. They are in need right now of laborers, equipment operators, and things of that such. Our police department, I would say that they're going to be looking for officers certified, as well as some emergency communications technicians and our fire department. So fire will be looking for, obviously, firefighters. Again, Alex Jones with the city of Murfreesboro, and that job fair is coming up on June the 9th between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. It will be on the Murfreesboro Civic Plaza in front of the city hall, again at the intersection of Vine and South Church. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.59. Well, today there is a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms, not anytime soon. 
It'll likely blow in at around 3 o'clock this afternoon. Otherwise sunny today, high at 90 degrees. For tonight, a 10% chance of showers, mainly before 7 p.m. this evening. Partly cloudy, low down to 62. Then for Tuesday tomorrow, sunny and a high near 90. Tuesday night, mostly clear, low down to 61. Time right now, well, we're 30 seconds away from that 9 o'clock hour. You're listening to WGNS Murfreesboro on this Monday morning. Right now it's about 73 degrees outside and beautiful weather. Stay with us.